Many individuals try to find success on a daily basis. But what defines this success? Where does it come from? When you find a passion in your life and pursue this passion, everything can come together to form success. This is Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. Our guests will motivate you to take the next step to your success. Now, here's your host, David Wallach. Good morning, y'all. Welcome to our weekly episode of Taking Care of Business. My guest this chilly Calgary morning has been involved in family businesses since joining his father and later when his family joined him. Experienced in different industries, he always remind, remained sorry, in the world of entrepreneurship. About six years ago, he decided to sell the business he had at the time, leave the specific industry he was involved in, and embark on a new journey in a new industry. He had no or maybe little knowledge about the new industry. My guest this morning is Brian Sander, owner of National Neon Signs with head office based in Calgary. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, David. Uh, welcome to Taking Care of Business, and thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, today we're doing also our first experience, and you are the first star on our Facebook TV uh broadcast so uh you know i'm the lucky guy yeah exactly we are lucky to have you okay <laughs> um so brian usually during the first segment of our show uh we like to kind of better get to know the guest that we have on a personal level before we kind of dive into the history of business and and and, and entrepreneurship um now i understand uh, from our research and from your bio that you are a native calgarian which is very rare in today's world in calgary that's correct um, and what, what I know from research we've done in previous shows that during the 88 Olympics, Calgary was about a half a million people. And today, Calgary is about a million and a quarter. So what do you remember? What are your memories from the old Calgary? Well, gr- growing up, it certainly uh, is not at all like it is today. I don't think um, we have the big city dynamics that we have today, whether it be the traffic or um, the growth that we've experienced when I was younger. Um, the summers were warmer, the winters were longer, <laughs> there was much more snow. Um, today, oh, so you're, today, you're talking now about global warming. Well, that, that's in there somewhere, but um, things have changed dramatically for Calgary. I, I think Calgary's more of a big, big city. Um, we, we have all, all the good and the bad that comes yeah, out yeah. of the big city, whether it's uh, our growth and the traffic or crime or all the things that come along with a big city. What do you remember from 88, from the Olympics? Um, the Olympics were, it was a great experience. Uh, my wife was uh, involved in the opening ceremonies. <clears throat> she was a dancer, um, so I was very, very much in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> I, I was surprised. I did not expect that, that experience that I had, um, whether it be the actual ceremonies themselves, the events. Uh, the trading that went downtown with with pins it was uh, it was quite exciting. I see. And uh, where, where were the kind of uh, borders of Calgary when you grew up? Oh gosh. <laughs> where, where was the last traffic light? Uh, McLeod Trail and Glenmore Trail. When I was young, was kind of the end of the city. And dro- driving to Midnapore was like going into the country. For a so drive. today it's about twenty kilometers or fifteen miles, even south at that point. At, at least. L- at least. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've seen the whole change. Yes. And do you like it now, better um, than before? I would say I'm used to it now, so sure, I'm, I'm okay with the experience. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, but let's talk about, um, since you're a Calgarian, native Calgarian, where are your parents from? My parents were, uh, my mother was born in Canada, in Saskatchewan, and my father was born in Czechoslovakia. Um, and and when did he immigrate to Canada? He immigrated to Canada in 1940, I believe it was 46. Following the Second World War. Shortly after the uh, Second World War, he was liberated from uh, one of the concentration camps, Auschwitz, and uh, ultimately ended up in a DP camp uh, and then to Canada on an orphan program. Mm. So that, that's how he ended up in Canada. He went so straight. So he lost all his family in all, the Holocaust? All of his family. He's the only survivor? Only, yeah, from a fairly large family. Hmm. So. You know, coming from, uh, we hear a lot about the Holocaust, and we hear about, um, you know, we can, we are not allowed to 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 forget. It's all we have to remember. Was it a topic that was discussed at home? Because I know some families, it's a taboo. There's no discussion. You cannot mention those days. How did your father cope with? And then, what did you, what did you kind of learn from him about that period? Um, my father was, uh, I believe, guilt-ridden, uh, kept the Holocaust uh, and his experience to himself for the most part, we found out approximately, uh, I would have been, it have been 25 years ago now. So I would have been 40 before I really found out what happened. He had um, participated in the Mount Royal uh, Holocaust Symposium and we covertly went in to uh, watch his presentation and that's when we really found out what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. Up until that time, it was quite uh, secretive. So you wouldn't discuss no. it at all? No. And, and once you found out, and you probably shared it with your kids and, mm-hmm. and your wife, what, what kind of impact did it make on you and your kids? You, you think, I mean, what do you think it made, kind of impact it made on you? I, I think for, I have three children. My oldest, uh, my son and daughter, at the time uh, were impacted in a big way. They took an interest much more so in, into what happened with the Holocaust and to him and to his story. Uh, my youngest was somewhat aloof at the time. I think he was 14. Mm-hmm. Did not really interest him. He seemed removed. Um, not until years later when my father got sick, um, he wrote a book and just, just before he died we were uh, made aware of this book and uh, he didn't even tell you but no, that he's writing no, a book no. about his, his horror time in the holocaust correct i see do you think that had that had to do creating some motivation in him to start his own business when he came here um i'm not sure i i think kind of a survival in my own terms uh, i think when he got here i mean canada's a land of opportunity and uh, I think we take that for granted in that we all think that... Uh, I mean, you guys, they were born here. I wasn't born here. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, for him, I just think he's seen opportunity. And when he got here, he had nothing. He had himself in a jacket. Yeah. No family. Uh, no one to support him. Uh, no education. Uh, didn't speak the language. And uh, went from there. So it's the will to survive. Mm-hmm. is what it is, not only in life itself, but he wanted to establish himself and start a family and, and make something of his existence. Let's go back to you. What kind of kid were you? Sport active, bookworm? Uh, I was, 
a little bit, uh, you know, on the wild side. I, I was certainly not a bookworm. Uh, <laughs> uh, wild, maybe. You could say we were wild. My brother and I were fairly active. We were not very interested in school. Uh, education was uh, something we had to do, not something we wanted to do. So going to school was a chore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but active in sports, but very close to my father as I grew up. So most of my uh, teenage life, I was uh, involved with uh, my father and his business. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was in grade 11. He took ill. And it, 11 and 12, I uh, helped him at nights working in our vending business. And uh, I decided to take one year off after grade 12 and then go back to school, and I never made it. Oh, uh, okay. I, I stuck with him ever since. So you never went to university? No. Yeah, we share the same thing. Okay. Well, I guess I hope that's a good thing. <laughs> Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> I had other people that interviewed, I interviewed other entrepreneurs that they all kind of forgot about university mm -hmm. or missed university mm -hmm. or left in the middle. So right. we're, we're in good, good kind of uh, environment. Um, and, you know, working at uh, grade 11 and grade 12 in, with your dad, how was the relationship between you? Uh, my father was my mentor and my friend and my boss. So <laughs> that's why I'm asking. I, I can't. <laughs> which which role came first? Uh, I think my father, uh, and working with him, he, uh, you know, I had a job to do. He had laid things out. We were scheduled. Uh, we didn't have uh, options at that time. We were um, fairly frugal. We didn't have the luxuries that we have today. It was more about you know, making a living and putting food on the table. So it, was it obvious that when you graduate um, uh, school or maybe even university or college that you joined a family business or it was your choice or like it was the, 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 the terms, the conditions at that time? Not contrived, that's for sure. It just happened. I think I had full intentions of going back to school. Uh, all of my friends uh, continued on with their education and got undergraduate degrees. Uh, some of them aren't worth the paper they're written on, but they did pursue. Uh, I just happened to uh, continue working with my father. Uh, we, we grew our business into a fairly uh, successful business at the time. It was just him and I. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, like I say, it, it wasn't uh, calculated, that's for sure. Now, you said uh, when I asked you, what it, when you said he was your father, your friend, your mentor, and your, and your boss, and mm -hmm. I asked you, which come which one came first and he said father so he did he cut you some slack on work or mm, i would say no <laughs> he he was not difficult though i was a fairly i believe i was a good employee and a good son so it was not hard for him <laughs> <laughs> i see uh, anyone contest to that because uh, i think so <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay so you know when you work together you know we we see today um, family businesses that you have the founding generation or the old generation and the young generation. Were, was he open for any suggestion you brought up and how to grow the business? Because usually that generation gap, we, 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 we kind of, the younger people go faster with ideas. Well, when I think back, I think my father was a uh, person who was impulsive and I don't think that he ever contemplated a family business and the dynamics that go along with it. Um, if anything, when I reflect back on my experience with my father, he taught me a lot of things uh, about how to handle family business. 
unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I apply those today. But back at the time, we uh, we just went to work, made a made a dollar, made a paid, living, paid our bills. Life was simple. Any regrets uh, not going to university or not exploring? Um, I would say first, not going to university, and second, not exploring other employment opportunities outside of working with your dad, like in the free world. I think only the experience of going to school at that age and enjoying. You know, going to university and the social dynamic or aspect of it, and not having a lot of responsibilities for a while. I think once you get into a career, you're done. You have uh, have yourself cemented with a future. You don't have the freedom that you have when you're going to school, obviously, or the responsibilities. So, other than that, no, I really don't. Uh, I think the best university I ever I, I ever had and will get is in business. Mm-hmm. That's a far better education. Now you also you, you use the the word cemented, mm-hmm. and I know Sandy may beat me on, on the way out, but you also cemented yourself to Sandy in a very young age. Correct. <laughs> you guys got married uh, very young compared to the our generation. Yes, uh, even to our generation. Yes. <laughs> My wife was at the time nineteen, and I believe I was nineteen. Met her at the University of Calgary. According to our research, you were twenty. Uh, at the time when I got married, yes. oh, okay. yeah, we met when we were 19 and got married when we were 20. And it was very impulsive. Again, wasn't uh, something that we talked a lot about. I stopped one day at a jewelry store on 17th Avenue and bought what I thought was a, we- a wedding or engagement ring. It was a cocktail ring. <laughs> and I, I brought it home to my uh, parents and they said, what are you doing? That, that's not a wedding. It's not an engagement ring. It went back and at the end of the day, I got myself a uh, fairly expensive engagement ring and everybody was happy. So your father was happy you got into debt so you have to keep on working? Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I think they helped me pay for it. (laughs) You guys have three wonderful kids. We have, I have uh, my oldest son, Ryan. Uh, I have my daughter, who's the middle, and our baby, Noah. I see. Uh, And Sandy, of course, is still running the, the show. Uh, she is certainly a help. That I, don't, I don't know if she's running the show. <laughs> the family show, I mean. She's definitely involved. <laughs> I see. Um, you know, we have to take uh, our first commercial break. Mm-hmm. Like every good thing, we have to, you know, get some breaks. So when it comes to a break, our suggestion is that uh, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about National Neon, open a new tab and check their website www.nationalneonscience.ca. Check the variety of options on the portfolio page as well as uh, the leasing versus purchase option they uh, offer. We will meet you here on the other side of the commercials. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back with my guest, uh, Brian Sander owner of National Neon Science. Brian, um, our first segment, we kind of learned more about your family and, and, and your experience. Six years ago, you made a career change, uh, a big career decision. What led you to sell a business at, that you owned at the time, leave an industry that, you know, you had the experience and knowledge in? Well, first of all, I'll correct you six years, it was 12. Oh, uh, so, I so may, don't correct any misinformation. Don't, don't correct, correct me, correct your bio. Okay. <laughs> uh, Our research. All right. Uh, probably my fault. What had happened back about, it would have been about close to 18 years ago, I ended up getting involved in the food industry. Um, what had happened at the time, I was trying to merge um, the food business to the vending business. And I was looking around for different uh, food categories, and I ultimately ended up starting off, believe it or not, with a Subway outlet, which uh, my kids were making me uh, take a good look at it. I thought Subway was nothing special uh, at the time. However, they were insistent that I research it, and uh, thankfully I did. Uh, It was, uh, at the beginning, just an afterthought, uh, a side business. That ultimately ended up uh, changing my uh, course in business. I sold out of all the vending that I had at the time, and I invested myself in trying to establish different food outlets uh, in non-traditional real estate. So, what do you mean by non-traditional? Uh, real estate? I stayed away from shopping centers in particular. So I would go and locate no food court at the malls. No. So I would go to universities, airports, hospitals, sports centers, and that business model seemed to work very well. Initially, uh, my first outlet was at the University of Calgary, and it was the number one uh, subway franchise in Western Canada and one of the top five in Canada for the first three or four years that I had it. Um, I ultimately got into other uh, food categories, including juice and pita, uh, goes into the same kind of real estate, uh, airports, hospitals, and sports centers, and they as well were tops in their categories. I tried to stay with quality, so the best fast food that I'm aware of even today is Subway. The best, uh, the healthiest food categories, the juices, so that we had Jugo Juice at the time in three or four outlets. I was in a total of seven different outlets, which were all universities, sports centers, how did you manage seven different locations uh, or initially, seven different outlets? Initially, what had happened is after I opened up the, the subway outlet, um, I found myself getting much more involved than I had intended. 
uh, I, I had to sign the franchise agreement because I was uh, the president of that company, and unknowingly that forced me to have to go to subway school. So <laughs> at, at the age, so you did go to school yes, eventually. <laughs> yes, I guess I did. Um, I ended up in I believe it was called Milford, Connecticut, and I went there in the middle of a summer when all my friends were at the private golf clubs, golfing, <laughs> saying to me, what the heck are you doing? And I said, I'm doing what I have to. Um, and when I got to uh, the subway headquarters, it's a university. It was very impressive. I found myself very enthusiastic by the time I had finished their course. You had a two-week crash course on how to run a franchise. And if you didn't uh, get 90% in their final exam, you did not get your franchise. So it was quite serious, uh, but it was a real eye-opener. Uh, Subway is a successful franchise, and I believe it's the biggest franchise in the world for a reason. Uh, the R&D and the machine that backs it is first class. Uh, mm -hmm. All the resources that you could ever ask to run a franchise are available to yourself, whether it's video, audio, there's a call line, there's a, an operations manual, so you're never left alone. Uh, there's great support, and again, it's a great product. We should ask them to sponsor this show. Yeah, you gave them free. They, 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 <laughs> it's well, it's well deserved. They, they're quite a machine. So you decided um, once you started the kind of food kind of area business to sell the vending machine lines. At, at the time, I. Oh, you ran both for a while. I was running both for about a year, and I couldn't handle. Uh, I opened up a second outlet at the university. It was a, a Jugo Juice is what it was called. And again, it was tops in its category in their whole system. And I realized that these kind of businesses could be quite viable and full-time. So I sold out of all my vending. Um, and I pursued additional locations to, to the point where I had, I believe it was seven of them. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what happened is back then, the economy was booming. We could not find staff. Uh, my wife had quit her job. She was teaching to help. Um, she ran uh, the subway outlet, and I was trying to micromanage all the rest of these outlets. And um, the labor situation was so difficult that I think if I would have stayed in that business, I may not be here today. <laughs> it, it was very aggravating, difficult. We were hiring people who never had kids, who never had jobs, starting them off at $13 at back then an hour. Yeah. They wouldn't last a week in time to pick their paychecks up even. And they would quit after a week with their uniforms. And it was just such such a stressful situation that I decided I don't want any more of this. I, so how long did it take you from the day you started in the food industry mm -hmm. to the day you made the decision, I want to sell out? Uh, it was about six or seven years. What had happened is I had one opportunity at a sports center that I think would have been extremely lucrative. It failed. And I just decided at that time I had it's enough fine. of it. Um, we were all involved. Uh, and, and again, uh, it wasn't planned. My wife did not plan on quitting her teaching. Yeah. Um, my kids were at the University of Calgary at the time. Mm -hmm. And they would often stop by on their breaks and take their backpacks off and get inside and help us. And at times we worked around the clock. Uh, we had a um, contract with Kara. And we were feeding the airlines with sandwiches at night and trying to keep the university going during the day. And it was quite an experience. I see. Um, so you decide to sell what you have, seven locations, Correct. different franchises. 
do you, do you have an idea what's the next step or? No, I did, I did not have a plan. I just knew that we had to get out of that business. Um, <clears throat> in the process, and it wasn't uh, an easy thing to do, it took about a year and a half to sell all of them. Uh, a mutual friend of ours had mentioned to me that he was aware of this sign company that was for sale and wanted to know if I was interested in looking at it. And I said, well, sure, why not? And um, we went. And what was your experience with signs? No, I had no experience. What do you mean? There's a sign on every food outlet. <laughs> yes, I suppose. <laughs> I, ironically, actually, National Leon was leasing a sign to the subway store, <laughs> as it turned out. <laughs> but um, I had no experience in the sign business, none whatsoever. And uh, I came and I checked out this company at a different location, and it did not interest me in the least. I left that meeting and said, "There's, there's nothing Don't waste my me. time. Well, it's a, it's not an industry that I was familiar with, and it just didn't seem to tweak me. So, what made that 180 degree change to eventually buy the company? That's a very good question. Uh, I tried I, I, ironically, I, 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 the kids would come over for Friday uh, dinner, Sabbath, and uh, my eldest son Ryan was working at Cushman Wakefield at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, we were talking, and I had mentioned I, I checked out the sign company. He asked me what were my thoughts, and I told him I was not interested. He wanted to go back and check it out. Uh, I believe his comments at the time were, we do a lot of signage with Cushman Wakefield because mm -hmm. it's in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. And he felt it was an interesting business. So I said, sure. And story short, we went back and checked it out. And he was very excited, thought it was a great idea. And asked if we could purchase this business and be in business together. Uh, and from there it was, I don't know if it's fate or if it's meant to be, but I thought to myself, wow, uh, I have this relationship with my father and I'm very close with my eldest. I'm close to all my kids, but my eldest was, uh, I believe at the time, with me more than the rest of the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided to go ahead. Uh, I went and uh, made an offer to purchase National Leon and it took about six months to consummate a deal and we, we bought the company. So what were the, okay, you buy a company, you come from vending machine, food, that you had knowledge, you went to school, the school of Subway, the school of Juga Juice, the school of mm -hmm. all those schools, and you just said you had zero knowledge about science, so what were the first challenges? Okay, we buy the company, sign the dotted line, what were the first challenges? Uh, initially, we uh, we were told, and we, of course, we would buy into the narrative that the existing management was quite qualified and that the machine was working quite well. Uh, that went on for, I believe, the first six months of uh, business once we had acquired National Leon. Uh, and we started to see things we didn't quite agree with or understand. And ultimately, what had happened over a period of two to three years, we started to struggle um, going into the third year and decided that we had to change everything around. The plant, the manufacturing plant at the time was in Lethbridge and the admin and sales were in Calgary. We thought when we purchased National Union, we were buying a business that sells something and in fact we purchased a business that manufactures something. They're two different animals and we found out later on that the manufacturing process is critical and it can't be in Lethbridge when we're in Calgary. We had to make a choice, move to Lethbridge 
which is not very exciting, <laughs> or stay in Calgary and move the plant to Calgary. And we did the latter. That process took about a year to year and a half to get out of the plant lease in Lethbridge and move everything into Calgary into a condo bay where at the time we had two bays. We rented two more and we had four bays uh, at a different location. And, and, and that kind of changed uh, the, uh, I would say, the outcome once you moved uh, all production to Calgary or most production? Well, once, once we moved the production to Calgary, we realized that the manufacturing processes that were here were inadequate and they were not at all uh, efficient. We decided at the time the best way for us to uh, correct things were to rid ourselves of all the management and take on the important roles ourselves being my son and I. So at the time, my son took over procurement and estimating, and I took over all logistics and service. And from that point on, it was a, a positive move. We uh, did much, much better uh, and learned our business. And when did you move to this uh, facility here, your ni- nice office now? Once we uh, realized that we were going to outgrow the space we were in and that we were annoying all of our neighbors, uh, <laughs> that being because a lot of the uh, delivery trucks were coming in and our service trucks were going back and forth. It just wasn't the type of location that was lending itself well to what we were doing. We decided to look for real estate and get uh, a developer to build us a building that would suit us. And uh, that's what we did. And ultimately, we negotiated a, a deal with the developers to purchase the building as an option. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time we finished designing the building and it was close to completion, we exercised the option to purchase it right away. So you mentioned that your oldest, uh, your eldest Ryan, uh, was involved in purchasing, at least with the due diligence, and he convinced you, and now he's uh, responsible. Who makes the decisions? It's a, with, with the family working together. Who makes the final decision? Who has the veto? Well, interestingly enough, I reflect back on my relationship with my father, and I think I was a great uh, support for my father, but I was not a uh, planner. He was, I was not a strategic guy. We just did our thing. Um, we knew what we had to do, and we did it. We, but we did everything. We did the sales, and it was just the two of us, so it was easy to manage. Uh, when I acquired National Neon, um, I realized that schooling was important. And what I mean by that is, in particular, my son Ryan has his commerce degree, and he brought that background to what we were doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, I'm a blow-and-go kind of a person. I go from uh, one situation to another. I'm not planned. He's extremely calculated. He's good with computers and spreadsheets, and he's a thinker. <laughs> so we have this, I knee-jerk and go. He procrastinates. Ultimately, we collectively tug at each other, and I don't go too fast. He doesn't go too slow, and we seem to make the right decisions. Uh, but he is definitely an integral part of, of my business or our business. Uh, he's a great, he's a good contributor and uh, he's a good partner. So, so as an entrepreneur that went through one, two, three, and then bought a building, some or some or all of your decisions are based on gut um, and Ryan brings the other component? It starts with gut, I would say, but ultimately if uh, Ryan Poo, who's some of my 
<laughs> gut. I listen care- carefully. Um, again, I'm impulsive. Yeah. And sometimes that's not good. Sometimes it's good. Now, when we consider family business, um, and you said your wife, uh, Sandy, is helping, and Ryan is working here, and you're working here. Any other, uh, the other two kids are here? Yeah, uh, my entire family is the now. Entire family. So yes. Tamara and and Noah and Noah. Mm-hmm. So Friday dinner. You mentioned the Friday sub- Sabbath dinner. Mm-hmm. What are you discussing around the table? Work today? Yeah, today. A, a year ago, two years ago. Is it work or work stays out of the house? Uh, I would say it's twenty percent work and the rest not work. I mean, if some something's immediate or. Uh, is on our minds, we'll discuss uh, issues, but typically work doesn't really come up that often. Can you, you separate work from I think personal at home? I think it's not, I don't, we just, it just doesn't seem to be an issue. We typically don't carry it home, but if there's something happening, it's pretty tough not to talk about it, <laughs> whether it be good or bad, mostly good. I see, so it's mostly good. So how many offices do you guys have today, or plants, or how does it work? Okay. Um, we have sales offices in Ontario and all over Alberta and British Columbia. Our uh, current uh, plant, our main plant where we do our bigger projects uh, are, is in Delta with Night Signs, which we acquired two and a half years ago. And all of our ancillary signage is built here in Calgary. Great. So, as you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have to go to the second commercial break. Uh, I promised you two breaks, right? <laughs> uh, when you check out nationalneonsigns.ca, sign up to follow them on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, YouTube, and Google Plus for all your signage needs. Uh, we will be back with you following this second commercial. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Taking Care of Business with David Wallach. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to dvwallach at gmail.com. That's D I V I Wallach at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. We're back with my guest. Brian Sander, owner of National Neon Science. Uh, Brian, before we went to the second commercial break, uh, we talked about uh, the entire family being involved here at National Neon. How did that happen? Because you started with Ryan. That's what he said. That he kind of pushed you to go back and explore the opportunity. And then he said that now Ryan, Sandy, Tamara, Noah all work here. How did that happen? They were looking for a job and you hired them? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Initially, what had happened is once I got out of the uh, previous business into the food business, uh, at the time, I was scheduled for double knee replacement. And that uh, started the family issues. Uh, my wife realized that that business, that subway business, initially could not function without one of us there. And she decided to... Uh, retire from teaching and go into the university and look after things until I had uh, recovered. So that started the family thing. Uh, we didn't believe at the time it was going to be permanent. We thought that Sandy would give me a hand until I was uh, able to get on my feet and the way we'd go and she'd go back to maybe substituting. Uh, but that, that didn't happen. We ended up, like I said earlier, we expanded into other locations. Uh, at the time, it was just myself, uh, my eldest son, Ryan, and my wife, and that went on for three or four years uh, until, again, we decided it was time to sell out. And once I got into uh, the sign industry, there was a lot more opportunity if my family wanted to get involved. Uh, my daughter was a dental hygienist, and... Um, a single mother uh, with a young child and she was having a difficult time working for a dentist and looking after a, chi- a young child uh, to the point where I could see that she was going to get in trouble if I didn't do something. Mm-hmm. I offered her a sales position right. thinking it might be a mate work project uh, and she took it uh, and thankfully she uh, is very successful. She's one of our uh, top salespeople. She's very, very good at sales, and uh, so much so that I, we actually moved her out to Toronto. She is running uh, our branch in Toronto with two other salespeople right now. And two years after that, I lured my son back from Israel uh, to join us to take over our digital uh, part of our business, uh, the, the message boards. So you so just. It was kind of you want to keep all the hand, the chickens next to the mother, the father hand, or the, the rooster. That's uh, that's what I get from that. <laughs> I think you're right, but I didn't know that. It was unconscious, and, yeah. and I think that uh, getting back to my father and what he valued, 
and how important family was to him, I think, rubbed off on me. I, I would I like having my family close to me, close to obviously. Me. Uh, it's certainly a perk, especially when you have grandchildren. Uh, but, you know, for me, my priorities are my family and my business. Yeah, my friends as well, but you know those three things matter more than anything. I see. Uh, I have probably last question about uh, to to, uh, to the subject of family business. There's a book uh, that was written by a guy by the name of Thomas uh, Deans. He's in Eastern Canada. The book is called uh, Every Family's Business, and he comes from a family that has you know entrepreneurship. His grand, grand great granddad, his granddad, his dad, and him. And it gives the idea of family business, the best way to get out of family business, sell and split the money between the kids, let them do whatever they want because they're going to fight after you're gone and, and the whole business is going down. What, what, what's your exit plan? Is there an exit plan for the Sander family from National Neon? Do you think about it? Did you discuss it? It's become an issue since I've become a grandfather. <laughs> to be candid. Uh, I don't have an exit plan. I have a succession plan. My succession plan contemplates that I can remove myself to the extent that I am not a key figurehead here on a day-to-day basis and that uh, my sons take over. Um, Ryan is the CEO of Pacific Signs, which is the company that owns... Night Signs, which is the company we acquired in uh, British Columbia, mm-hmm. Direct LED, which is a digital side of our business, and National Neon. And that was very deliberate, being that I wanted him to be the front and center and take over that position and all the responsibilities that go along with it. He's now, he's 36 or 37, and it's time for him. But for myself, I don't see selling out as, a, as a, uh, an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I certainly don't want to burden my company with... Uh, demands uh, to purchase my share so I can put a bunch of money in, in, in the bank. I want to make sure that National Neon or the Pacific Sign Group is healthy, not debt-ridden, and has a good future. I only want to make sure that I have enough income to be comfortable until I'm not here any longer. So, so what's your, your retirement plan? Or is there no, the word retirement is not part of your vocabulary. I have seen too many people that uh, were active in business who decided to take on retirement and either were miserable or became sick. And you don't some, want to I, I don't want to be either of those people. Some people can retire and they can find a balance. Uh, my balance is to stay active. I have to have a purpose. I need to have a, a place to uh, sit down at my desk, which is not at home, and uh, be involved, engaged in something. And it's not going to be 100% golf or, <laughs> or a sport. It's I want to be involved with uh, with my business in, in a lesser way, but still involved. When we went to the second commercial break, you mentioned to me that preparing a sign and preparing a sandwich is is identical. What from what you learned during your university, the the subway university, what? or during experience working with those uh, names, franchise, what do you bring here? What what did you learn there that you bring here and try to implement here? Okay, I, I, I wouldn't say they're identical. Uh, <laughs> however, there are a lot of things that are quite similar in that in the food business, there are several things that are uh, very, very important. Uh, labor 
and materials are important. If you if you can't control your labor and your food costs, you will go out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not much different than the sign business. When we acquired National Neon, the actual process of manufacturing a sign was weak. Um, there was no controls for labor that were proactive and or for materials. And it took us four to five years to learn that lesson. Uh, I, I did implement a lot of the uh, labor controls that I had used in the food business uh, in that I am able to control labor costs in real time, not after the fact, and my materials and my tracking on my materials is uh, very uh, is similar to what I did in the food business. I see. Um, you mentioned that you bought a small company based in Lethbridge, Alberta, which is a small community, and it's now you have you own this building. Um, you mentioned that you bought a company in British Columbia. You have offices in Ontario. What makes National Neon successful in your opinion? Well, first of all, I think National Neon locally was a very recognized brand, which was very helpful. Um, in our community, uh, purchasing signage, National Neon has is, is, is got a, a high profile, I would say. Outside of Calgary or Alberta, we do not exist and we decided about four years ago that in order for us to maintain our market share and grow our company and our brand that we had to have better coverage and that's what started the idea of acquiring or an acquisition um, at the time we had a, a banker who knew of this company called night signs and mm-hmm. that there were two older fellows that were uh, looking at retirement and that it might come up for sale and wanted to know if we were interested uh, and of course we said yes not knowing what it really was though and a year and a half later the opportunity presented itself uh, we decided that in order for us to maintain market share and to uh, grow our company in that we could incorporate other product lines this acquisition offered a numerous synergies uh, for us and that is what motivated the acquisition more than anything, uh, being that we could acquire different product lines and we could protect our market share with a lot of the uh, clientele that Night Signs had offered us. So you contribute your success to buying another company and delivering to the same clients or is it how do you measure your success? Okay, I, I would say if you want to measure my success, I, I think it's got a lot to do with passion and discipline. Um, and I would say that not unlike the food business, it, I enjoyed working with the food products we had mostly because they were healthy. I wasn't selling somebody a greasy spoon. <laughs> and when it was done right, it was a great product. <clears throat> In the sign business, interestingly enough, uh, you are taking somebody's brand and it's an art form and you are creating something that represents them. It, it is uh, very gratifying to take your brand or a client's brand and create something that helps their business succeed and presents their brand uh, in a light that they want it to. 
So the passion for this business is easy. It is not difficult. I really enjoy what I do. I enjoy our end product. I enjoy the customers we deal with. Uh, we do signage for $1,000 and we do, we've signed contracts for three and $4 million. We deal with uh, clients that have no education or we deal with clients that uh, have uh, a master's in business and work for the government. It's, it, it's just a very uh, interesting business that does not, uh, it does not get boring. So passion so and discipline. Passion and discipline. And the discipline comes with being convicted to yourself that if you, if you want to see something through, firstly, that you, you do what you need to, whatever it takes, and that when you have ideas that you want to implement into your business that you don't let outside uh, influences uh, the naysayer mix you up, yeah, and, and back off. If you can't run your business and deliver your ideas, whether they fail or not, you're not going to succeed. Not all of our, our, our ideas are successful. Uh, we learn from our mistakes, but we are continually trying to, as they say, think outside the box and incorporate better processes, whether it be in the manufacturing or in sales. Let's, uh, you said that uh, you don't see yourself retire soon and you don't see yourself on the golf course every day. Let's walk together to the future. Let's say seven, 10 years from now, where do you see National Neon in seven to 10 years from today? What's your future kind of plan for National Neon? I have discussed at length with uh, Ryan and Noah. Our, our long-term plan is to ultimately have a, a bigger presence in uh, Ontario. Uh, Ontario represents approximately 65% of all of the signage uh, revenue in, uh, Canada. in Canada. So, you know, out, out west here, I think we have fairly good coverage. Uh, we, our recent acquisition is, um, we're still digesting. It's the ant that ate the elephant, you can <laughs> say. Um, and once we're comfortable and satisfied that that's running smoothly and we've integrated our different processes and cultures, uh, we'll be looking to look at an opportunity in Ontario. So I, I see it being more of a national company. Right now our our sales are split up mostly. The West is about 85%, 15% comes out of the East. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's logistic challenges for us, uh, being that we're out West and that our facilities are out here. So it's difficult to grow out there unless we- We have presence on, right. on the ground. Right. I see. Um, you, you just mentioned that you uh, learn from your mistakes. You try to learn. If you had to say today to a new entrepreneur, you know, give them one one positive advice. How to see one advice? Do not do, do this. What would what would we say would be that the don't and the do. The do is don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. I, I think I, uh, uh, along with a lot of my friends uh, and acquaintances. We all are comfortable with doing the same thing. We don't like to step out and do something different, but you would be surprised how capable you are. And I found that out. And when I, when I reflect back, I remember when I was younger, what would, what would I do if I wasn't doing what I was doing then? Because I, I did not have an education, uh, a professional. I was not, there, there was no uh, plan for what happens if. Uh, but I found out that you know, I'm plenty capable and the things that may make you successful, education certainly helps, but it's the 
little principles of, of I, I guess, life, uh, honesty, integrity, uh, being on time, returning phone calls, walking the talk. So, you know, back up what you say. Those simple rules seem to be very effective. Uh, and if you're disciplined and focused, you'll succeed. But I, I would say, uh, getting back to your question, don't be afraid to change things up and to get out of your comfort zone and try something different. You'd be surprised. Mm, interesting. What have you learned about yourself over this long journey? <laughs> That's a tough question. I, I, I think I didn't promise only <laughs> easy questions. Uh, one of the interesting things that happens, and, and I don't think it's just myself, I remember uh, when I was young, I used to criticize my father for some of the things that he would do and how he would react. And it would bother me to the extent that I'd get really upset with him. And I find myself, as I get older, doing the same things that he did. <laughs> and I, and I, I question, well, what was I thinking back then and what's different now? And I think, you know, as we age, we acquire wisdom. And if we can apply that wisdom to what is happening for our children or for our employees or people that are influenced by ourselves, I think uh, it, it certainly goes a long way to where I was and where I am. I have one last question because we're, our time is almost up. If you had today an opportunity to invite two people for lunch, beer, whatever, get their advice, listen, learn from them, who are the two that you'll choose? It's not a fair question at all. I, I know I'm one <laughs> of them, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I think the, as ridiculous as it sounds, um, I am a basketball uh, fanatic. Uh, always been a basketball fan, played basketball when I was younger. I think the first guy I'd go for lunch with is Michael Jordan, believe it or not. Um, not for business, just because I'm a, a sport fan. Uh, and I guess if I could sit down with my father again and interview him and talk with him about some of the things I never asked him, he'd be my second choice. And let him criticize how you run your business. Absolutely. <laughs> I see. Well, Brian, uh, we reached the end of today's episode of Taking Care of Business. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, Brian Sander, owner of National Neon Signs, um, sharing with us your journey, long journey in different uh, industries and different and, and experience as an entrepreneur. And, um, you know, it was great to, to, to listen to a, a good family story starting not so well in World War II and ending now with a nice facility and a growing business. Uh, thank you for tuning in and your feedback and emails. Please keep on emailing me. Uh, use your Facebook as well. Um, my email address is dvwallach at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. And, of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Aaron, our dedicated engineers every week. Sasha, my assistant executive producer, and our new team member, Mark Jarrett, our promotional guru. I will meet you here on voiceamerica.com slash variety with a new guest next Tuesday, December 11th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Your host, David Wallach. Happy Hanukkah to all our friends that celebrate Hanukkah. Thank you for listening to Taking Care of Business. Please join David Wallach again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, make your week as great as you want it.